Somewhere deep within, each of us desires an inner flow of peace and power that transforms our daily attitudes, relationships, and life decisions. Welcome to the Peace and Power Podcast, where we discover how the living Jesus offers the flow of that peace and power in our everyday experiences. With the Bible as our guide, here is Dr. Jim Coleman with today's Bible Talk. When I was in my teens, my hometown had a very impressive annual 4th of July celebration. It was a combined symphony concert and fireworks show called Firefall. At times, the symphony would lower its volume and, in the background, an announcer would speak with patriotic eloquence. Once on the way home, I realized that I had watched the fireworks much more than I had enjoyed the symphony or listen to the patriotic message. At one point, something was said about a tea party and then later something about a meeting in Philadelphia, but that's about all that stuck in my memory. But I sure remembered that crescendo of explosion after explosion that lit the July sky. Maybe fireworks commanded the attention more than violins or poetry. Sometimes our eyes focus better on sights then our ears focus on messages. In Matthew chapter 17, an amazing sight occurs. Jesus' ordinary human body, at least that's the way it seemed to everyone, suddenly becomes filled with an unearthly glory. You would think that this is a story about divine fireworks. But actually, if you read it carefully, these amazing sights are secondary. More important is what is said, especially what God says. The sights get the attention, and then the attention is ready to hear the message. When you look throughout the Bible, God's amazing miracles usually have a message along with them. Almost always the works of God, however small and ordinary or great and extraordinary, aren't meant to merely impress us but to focus us on God's message and then to increase our trust in God and our obedience to God. So when we read this story, we should look at the amazing sight of what happened to Jesus, the transfiguration. It is truly breathtaking. But even more importantly, we should listen to the words that flow from this magnificent event. When we do, we have learned a very important pattern in encountering God. We become open to encountering God's wonderful works in order that we may become open to hearing God's wonderful words. So, here is the narrative from Matthew chapter 17, beginning at the first verse and through verse 13. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, 
Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Then his disciples asked him, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, but he wasn't recognized, and they chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. As the recording of this unique event begins, we again realize that Matthew often makes connections between Jesus and Moses. Moses went up Mount Sinai and encountered the glory of Yahweh the Lord, Exodus 19, 1-5. And now Jesus is going up a mountain, an elevated area, where he will experience the glory of the Lord. But it wasn't just glory Moses experienced. There was a message Moses received, and the message was much more important than the experience. So, as we look upward to this elevated place where Jesus is headed toward a glorious experience, let's not just look for God's glory, but listen to God's message. In verse 2, we cannot help but be blinded by what happens. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. The disciples probably thought they were transported for a moment back to Moses on that mountain where his face shone with the glory of God. Exodus 34, 29-35. In verse 5, when a bright cloud overshadowed them, maybe they thought they were being transported back to the vision of Daniel who saw the future coming of the Son of Man in glorious clouds, Daniel 7.13. And in verse 5, a bright cloud covers them, like those clouds that Daniel saw. And in verse 9, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. The same phrase from Daniel. So, Peter, James, and John could not help but be overwhelmed by what they saw. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them. As far as we know, none of the other apostles ever experienced in the account of the Gospels this kind of display of Jesus' heavenly identity. We must not diminish what kind of experience this was. But in the next verse, the focus shifts from looking to talking. It's a message. Moses, there's Moses again, and the prophet Elijah are talking with Jesus. Luke gives us more insight than Matthew does here on the topic of their conversation. Luke 9.31, And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Imagine 
Jesus is speaking to the greatest prophet of the law, Moses, and the greatest prophet of the Spirit, Elijah. The law was a message written in stone, and the Spirit writes God's will in the heart. Both powerful messages. Messages more important than the momentary glory experienced on Mount Sinai, or the momentary glory experienced here. It's very important that at times we have mountaintop spiritual experiences where God's presence almost overwhelms us. Those can be life-changing moments. But that momentary experience will not shape us as much as God's Word, which shapes us every day. Better to listen to God's law and God's prophets than to expect mountaintop experiences. A few years ago, I had a conversation with a man who had a mountaintop spiritual moment with God at summer church camp. And I celebrated with him that memory he was sharing about how good God was to reveal God's presence in a dramatic way. But as we talked longer, it became clearer that he had no daily walk with God. He rarely attended public worship or read his Bible or spent time in prayer. All of his spiritual life was a wonderful memory, a memory of that night at church camp. Oh, God wanted so much more for him. And I'm sure Jesus wanted much more for Peter and James and John than just this dramatic moment of transfiguration. But Peter seems to want to hang on only to this moment. In verse 4, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. It's as if Peter is saying, let's never go back down the mountain. Let's camp here and stay here. Let's have a feast of booths here forever and stay at church camp. But even while Peter is speaking, there's a shift between what he sees and what he hears. Something even more awesome happens than the transfiguration. God the Father speaks. And notice what God says. Verse 5. But even as he, Peter, spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. In a moment, Moses and Elijah and this whole experience will be gone. But Jesus won't. And it is Jesus' message you must focus on, the Father is saying. Listen to him. And as we look through the rest of the New Testament and the lives and the ministries of Peter, James, and John, we see that they were so faithful in heeding the Father's words. They went on to preach the message of Jesus. And both Peter and John shaped the Gospels and wrote letters to first-generation believers that further taught the message of Jesus. How faithful they were. And your key, my key to faithfulness, is also focusing on Jesus and his words when our mountaintop spiritual moments have passed. How did Peter, James, and John react to all of this glory overload? <laughs> Verses 6 through 8, the disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. Yes, the disciples had looked with awed fear as Jesus began shining and as Moses and Elijah had appeared. 
And soon the disciples couldn't physically hold up to this awesome experience. They fell face down to the ground. This past week one evening, I happened to see a scene from a sci-fi movie as a character entered the core of the moon. And the character was saying, Wow! Ah! Wow! Ah! (laughs) He expressed both wonderment and fear. Here, Peter, James, and John, not in a sci-fi movie, but in a real, glorious, overwhelming encounter, experiencing both wonderment and fear can hardly take it. And Jesus knows this is a lot for them to take in, so he touches them, and he says, Don't be afraid. The sight frightened them, but once again, the sight was not as important as the words of Jesus. His comforting message to them was, don't be afraid. A friend of mine once described to me how her husband, who was having a heart attack at the time, was on the floor of the kitchen. And she called 911 as she cradled him in her arms. And she said, it seemed like forever. And then I heard, I heard the sirens coming. And sirens never sounded so wonderful. Help was coming. We do face moments when we must not be overwhelmed by what we see and instead listen. Listen for the comforting voice of God. What a moment when Jesus stepped over to these three terrified men and put his hand on them and said, Don't be afraid. After this amazing transfiguration, as Jesus and his disciples are walking down the mountain, he commands them something. It is not a suggestion or advice, but a command. Jesus does not want them to share with others what they have just seen. Not yet. Sharing it will be important to do at the right time. But now is not the right time. When will be the right time? Well, when Jesus says the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Son of Man is that messianic phrase, phrase about the Messiah. So the disciples know he's speaking of the Messiah. But surely they are puzzled that the Messiah will die. And they're likely thinking of a long-from-then-end-times resurrection. They would never have guessed at this time. They would soon themselves be witnesses of the death and resurrection of the Messiah. One of our most challenging callings as Jesus followers is the timing of our witnessing. Maybe there is a family member we really want to speak with about what Jesus has done for us, but... When should we do that? There is a moment when we can say to a neighbor, may I pray for you right now? But how do we know it's the right moment? In this story, Peter, James, and John want to go down from the mountain and tell everyone what they've just witnessed. But Jesus says, wait, wait until later at the right time. Then you can tell the whole world what you experienced today. Now, just before they get to the bottom of the mountain, since Jesus has just mentioned this phrase, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the disciples ask Jesus a question about Messianic prophecy. The rabbis had interpreted Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, to mean that Elijah the prophet would return and pave the way for the Messiah. The disciples want to know if this is true. Is this what they should expect? Jesus replied, Yes, but the awaited messenger was not literally Elijah the prophet, who had lived 900 years earlier, but an Elijah-like prophet, who in fact 
had already come, had already paved the way for the Messiah. But he was not recognized, Jesus implied, and the Messiah has come and is here now, but is not recognized for who he is. So we see the disciples are focused on a question about a future prophetic timeline, when actually the fulfillment of that future hope is at that very moment standing right in front of them. When I was a student in seminary, the seminary's current president announced his retirement, and a search committee began work on uh, finding and selecting a new president. A few months into the process, one day a committee member looked across the table at the committee chair and said, I believe the person we're searching for is you. And in fact, the board chose that person to be the next president. Sometimes we are looking at a future timeline when God's answer for us or God's message to us is already present. You know, prophecy is very important. You and I should have a desire to know and look for God's prophetic promises. But... We can get so focused on prophecy that we don't hear what God is speaking to us today, announcing to us today, right now, about how to live in God's kingdom. Allow me to close with this. A couple of years ago, my family was sitting at a gate in the Nashville airport awaiting to board our flight. I began people watching. People busily passed, going to other gates. Others were deboarding an arriving flight. Businesswomen were on their cell phones. Parents were pushing strollers. A group of happily loud men were laughing with each other. I got rather lost in the people watching. Then I realized that an attendant at the gate had made an announcement over the intercom. I turned to my wife, Tammy, and asked, Hey, did you catch that announcement just made? Yes, our flight is on time, she said. I nodded. But I thought in that moment of how in my people watching, I wasn't listening for the voice sharing important information. That voice could announce our flight would now be leaving at a different gate, or our flight was overbooked, or some other important message. But I was focused on watching, not listening. The transfiguration of Jesus is an astounding sight. God the Father wanted Peter, James, and John to see that and experience that. And as we read this story, we should, in our imaginations, look at the glory of Jesus. But, quite surprisingly, it is not the sight that is most important. It is what God says about His Son. Listen to Him. It is listening to what the Son says about Himself when He describes Himself as the Son of Man, the glorious Messiah. It is about listening to what the Son says to Peter and James and John, Don't be afraid. Yes, we look, but especially we also, with faith and hope, do what God's Word reminds us over and over again to do. And that is, we listen. Thank you for listening to the Peace and Power podcast, and we invite you to subscribe to hear the next upcoming Bible talk. Again, our website is peaceandpowerpodcast.com, and our prayer is that God's Word has brought you a greater sense of a supernatural flow of God's peace and power in your life.